everybody. Hey guys, we're so glad that you're here. Um, we know it is December 23rd, so it's Christmas Adam. It's not Christmas Eve, and uh, it's a peculiar uh, place to have church when Christmas Eve service is tomorrow. But I just want to tell you, I'm really glad that you're here. I'm glad that you made space on the 23rd, and we're going to do, um, we're just going to have like a family Bible study is what we're going to do. So I'm going to I'm going to preach from down here, and we're going to make space. If this is, if for you, if you go, it's weird waiting on the Lord and hearing from God, we want to do that because this is what Advent is for, is waiting on the Lord. So um, I'm going to, we're going to do things a little different. This is what I'm going to do. Um, we are going to have a video. It's going to be a fun video. It's lighthearted, and some of you will go, yes, that's how crazy the Christmas story is, okay, is when I show this Christmas story. Uh, and then we'll talk about that. But if you have your Bibles, go to Isaiah chapter 40, because, and if you have your phones and you don't have a Bible app, you can just Google Isaiah chapter 40, and then you'll be reading the exact same thing that the rest of us are reading. Okay, Isaiah chapter 40, verses 1 through 5. I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to get started. And I, uh, I was talking earlier to someone, and this is what they said. They said, I feel like God is going to do something for someone here, and that like it's really important that we lean in, even if it's for one person. And I said, oh, for sure. I like, even if it's just for me, I, w I just want to be here and do this. And so I would tell you, there's no coincidence as we wait on Jesus. So let me pray for us, and then we'll watch a video and, and keep going. Thank you, Father, that we could come and worship you. And these songs that feel, they, they feel like we know them. Uh, but Lord, we don't know what it is to adore you. We don't know what it is to adore you. And I just pray you would help us stir our hearts in that direction tonight. May we have fun. May we be challenged by your word. I pray that your spirit would speak to us. And when we wrestle with all these questions, and it sounds like the craziest story to us, uh, I, just, I just ask that you'd help us to know we can wrestle with you. We can take these questions to you, and you don't move away from us. We thank you for the Christmas season. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's watch this. An angel came to see Mary. She was doing laundry, and then the angel just appeared, and she was really scared. So Gabriel was like, Mary, you're going to have, what? Mary, you're gonna have a baby. I, you're gonna have a baby, and you will call him Jesus. And then Mary was like, I'm not gonna have a baby yet. I'm only a teenager. I'm not married. Then the angel Gabriel told Joseph that Mary is not lying. She, you are having a new baby. And so they met up. They went to Bethlehem. Ham, which was Joseph's old town. They ride a donkey. <laughs> a camel. Oh, yeah, a camel. She said, this donkey's fast. Well, they tried to go to a hotel, and they asked the keeper um, for a place to stay. The keeper said, we have no rooms. Literally, no rooms. <laughs> so Mary and Joseph walked away sadly, but then he said, the only place 
in here in Bethlehem that that you can stay stay as a staple, and then he just pointed the way, and they followed. When the shepherds were taking care of the sheep, then they saw angels. The angels said, "A new baby is getting born, who is king of the Jews." The angel was singing. And then the shepherd said, "I think we should go there and meet him." The second, I think, said, "Yeah, I agree with you." And the other said, "Yeah, me too." They had to walk through a bunch of grass and bushes. Maybe have to camp out a night. And then the wise men heard about it, and then a star appeared. Well, we should probably follow that star. It's pointing down to the barn. So maybe we should follow it. Maybe. So the wise men went to Jesus. They gave them gifts. A stuffed animal, like a hippo one, to have at home. Some diapers, and <laughs> some wipes, and some milk, some <laughs> shoes, some Jordans. Gold ring and Latimer. And I don't know how I would survive in that barn. Too stinky, too crowded, and ugh. I think he probably pooped because the room was very smelly. Thank you for coming. He's adorable. He's gonna be our best friend. I love you, and you're the best baby I ever seen. There, I said it. <laughs> the new baby is gonna change the world. That's like for real. That's the edited version from kids. Is right there, uh, the Christmas story. S sometimes the Christmas story sounds really crazy. I'm not gonna lie to you. I some of you know my story. I, I have gone through a lot of phases in the faith, deconstruction and reconstruction. And there was a time where I go, I don't even believe this thing. And I would have watched that as like a college student and went that. That's how crazy it is. That's how crazy it sounds. It's like, it just sounds like this fairy tale of somebody like, I can't get pregnant, and boop, they're pregnant, okay? And then you read the Bible, and you go, it does kind of feel like that. It does kind of feel crazy and weird. And, like, there's no doubt around this time that there's so much tension. And there's people that go, I'll celebrate the gifts. I'll celebrate the different parts. But when it comes to the Christmas story, it's really, really strange. So one of the best things we can do is go back and talk about there are areas in the Bible that prophesy about the Christmas story. So there's areas, we've been going through this, Advent means arrival, okay? We're waiting for the arrival of Jesus. And in the book of Isaiah and the book of uh, lots of the Old Testament books, there are prophecies, there are prophets, there are people who say things about the arrival of God as a human being, the Messiah, God with us, that say things about that, and, and then it comes true which is really miraculous. And so this is what we're doing, is we're going in the book of Isaiah. And so if you think the Christmas story is crazy, and if you're a Christian, you go, the Christmas story is not crazy. You're crazy for thinking the Christmas story is crazy. Just be patient with everybody else, okay? You're just way further along than everybody. But when it comes to prophecy, when it comes to learning about this was foretold, it's as if God's story was planned <laughs> from the beginning. It's not a surprise. And God 
doesn't just arrive on the scene there. The whole idea of Christmas in Advent is that he arrives on your scene. He's coming. And he's not just coming in the way that we say, yeah, Jesus is going to come back, he's going to rule the world, and it's going to be awesome and glorious, and the glory of God's going to be like the waters covers the sea. Not just like that. That will happen. It's not just like that. But for me, what I need to know is, is he, like, coming to me? Is Jesus, does Jesus have an ambition for me? Do I have any sort of favor in God's eyes? Does the story, this crazy story, relate to me at all? This is what I want to know. And quite frankly, this is what the Israelites wanted to know. This is what the Jews wanted to know. And this is what you want to know. If this thing's real, is there a way we can live with Jesus with us now? That's what we want to know. And that's what I want to know. So we're going to pray and we're going to get started, okay? Isaiah chapter 40, let's pray about this. Lord, there's a lot, a lot that comes with the Christmas season. And we're so thankful that in two days we get to celebrate Christmas. And we just pray tonight we would celebrate Christmas in a whole different way. The presence of God with us. I pray it would be a sweet time. I pray we would make space for you. And I pray that what we read in your word would change us. And we would know you are coming for us. You have always been after us. And a lot of it is our resistance to your word. And I just pray you'd help us. Help us, God. To be honest and genuine and meet us wherever we're at. In Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, we're, how many of you guys are traveling for Christmas? I figure if you're here, you're probably here, here, because everybody else has already left. Um, you're traveling. Other people are traveling. We're, we're leaving on the 26th, and we're driving to Ohio, okay? So if you're like, where's Ohio? It's, and you can't picture the map in your head. It's really far away from here. Ohio, here's a map. It, can you show? Here it is. So we're going to, on the map, it's like, I don't know, four inches. But you multiply that times four, and then you put hours to it. That's kind of how you can deal with the map. So it's about 16, 17 hours away. But we'll leave on the 26th. I'm telling you, my thought process was, I don't want to drive to Ohio. Like, and you go, why don't you fly? Because there's four of us in round trip tickets. All this stuff's crazy, okay? So when we drive, to drive to Ohio, my thoughts like, I don't want to drive. That's a really far distance with two kids. It's just going to be hard. It's like going to be a really hard days. But then here's, here's my thought process and switch. Everything kind of changed when I started thinking about, and I think about this often, everything's perspective. Remember, 10% is like what actually happens to you, 90% is perspective. Uh, but here, here's what I thought about. When it came to like, how did they used to travel? How would they have traveled before. I have some of these stats, okay? So this is going to help you if you're traveling at all. In, in the early 19th century, Thomas Jefferson, it took him 10 days to travel 225 miles via carriage, which I, you're like, that's a lot of days. I'm like, that's miserable. A carriage? 225 miles? In 1919, it took 22 days for Woodrow Wilson to travel the country by train. Before 1960, it took Americans close to two weeks to travel across country. So we're not going across country. We're not going to like Philly or anything, but like we're, you know, we're traveling a lot. And now it takes less than five days, even if you stop for sleep because of highways. 
because we have highways. Highways, you just go. You just keep driving. I, 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 the highways have changed everything. I don't know if you've done this, but when you drive, if you're driving to go skiing somewhere, you have to drive through the mountains the way that they've blasted holes in mountains, and you can actually go through the mountain. Even in different parts of the country, you, they will, it's like they raise up valleys and they lower mountains all for the purpose of being able to travel. Okay, this is highway travel. This is what we do. Now, here, here's what I want to tell you around Christmas time, that there's actually a scripture that talks about there's high, like God is into highway travel and this idea of lowering mountains and raising up valleys and blowing through mountains and to get to you, to get from one destination to the other, is very, very scriptural. So the next time you're driving on a highway, you can go, this is, man, this, they got this from the Bible. They didn't really get this from the Bible, but it is in the Bible. Because a highway, it gets you from point A to point B, when before there was a highway, before there was any sort of route, it took so long and so many deaths along the way, and you may not have made it. And, and there, this passage we're going to look at literally says God's building a highway, raising up valleys, lowering hills, blowing through mountains. He's doing this to show you, I, I, I don't know how else to say it, I have to get to you. Christmas time is not about you saying, all right, I, I have to get to God. It is the reminder it is the bell that's ringing that says God's going, I have to get to you. I have to do this. I, you can't get to me. There's nothing you can do. This is actually what religion is all about. Religion is like, you get to me. Your good works get to me. And by the way, there's so many people in here. I, I know when, if we talk about religion, you would say, I hate religion. I don't like religion. Religion's man-made, and it's all these rules, and it's all these regulations. But when you talk about the, the Christmas story, it's so different in that God goes, I have to get to you. You can't build a highway. Uh, Rascal Flatts, I think, sings Life is a Highway, right? Is that the remake? Okay, well, that's the one I know. So they sing, <laughs> Rascal Flatts sings Life is a Highway. And I think that that's actually totally wrong. It's okay, Rascal Flatts, you can disagree with them, but uh, here's why. I don't think life is a highway. I think life's a journey, and you can't build a highway. You can't get where you need to go. And it's not like you're in cruise mode. If you know anything about life, it's exciting and it's exhausting, okay? It's joyous, and then you grieve. Like, life is mountains and valleys and trees, and you're like, there's no highway here. That doesn't exist. Life's not a highway. Life's hard, and Christmas time is when God goes, hey, I built the highway. I raised the mountain, or I lowered the mountains. I raised the valleys. And he comes to you, and then he says, now come with me. He comes to you, and then he says, now come with me. This is what Isaiah 40 says. This is actually the claim. So let's read this, Isaiah 40, verse 1. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and hear and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley should be lifted up and every mountain and hill should be made low. 
The uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. So, every low place be made high, and all places. What he's saying is, it's as if we, like the people of God, were they in exile? Yes, they were in exile, but like it's as if God is saying, you need to know in the worst place possible, in the hardest place possible, I come for you. Which would mean this, if you're like, Christmas is a great time for me. Christmas is an exciting, I like Christmas time. He still comes for you. If he's willing, if he's willing to do all that the scripture says here in the bad, he still comes for you in the good. So no matter where you're at, He's making a highway. Life is not a highway. Life is a bunch of ups and downs and bumps and bruises, and we're like rag dolls at the end of the day. Like, at the end of the day, if you don't hit the couch and go, oh, I am exhausted, that means you probably had a good day. On a regular day, you just go down and you go, I'm so tired. I can't even feel my legs anymore. I don't even know if I can make it another day. Life is hard. But the Christmas story is that God says, hey, declare this to the people declare this. This is how I operate. I operate in a way, I build a highway and I come to them, and then I have them travel with me to where I came from. This is the Christmas story, okay? So in, uh, in this whole text, there's, there's parts of this text that are hard to receive because I feel like I need to know that I, like God actually cares about me individually in Christmas, so I'm going to read you a quote that really helps me realize um, when I think of God as I go king, he's king, he's Lord, and, and we were talking about someone who can change the atmosphere, you're talking about someone who can make mountains melt before him like wax is what it says in Psalms, you're talking about great power, then you go that direction, then I go, well then why would he even want to come to me? He's like this big, wonderful God, why does he want to come to me? Why does he want to lower himself to me? And then this, this quote has really helped me, this is what it says. It says, no one will ever reverence God but him who trusts that God is favorably disposed to him, okay? That you will not have the true reverence of God unless you trust God is, he looks at me with favor. He looks at me, he does want to come after me. So we're just going to talk about the deliverance, what it looks like for God to deliver. And I, uh, I will tell you this morning, at a coffee shop, I was thinking about, okay, this is what we're going to talk about tonight, and then praying about tonight. In a coffee shop, you can do that. You can pray in coffee shops if you want to. Don't make it weird. You don't need to, like, speak in tongues and all this stuff. You just pray in your mind, however you're going to do it, okay? But I'm praying, and I realize this. I realize the way the passage is set up is when we talk about deliverance, it's like we're free, and the chains are gone, and now we can go running. We're, like, free to do what we want to do. Actually, the deliverance in scripture is that God comes to us. That's, that's what clicks the deliverance. Not as if God from far away speaks deliverance over you. You won't find that in scripture. You actually don't find that anywhere. You find God coming to us, delivering, and then walking out of that deliverance with us, which is really powerful. And it means if we're not comfortable with God coming to us, we actually won't experience deliverance, which is where the Israelites were. He makes a highway to come to us. So, when God delivers, it's always going to be in His timing. It's always going to be in His power. And it's always going to be for His glory. That's how we're going to break it down for Christmas. Okay? When God delivers, it's always going to be in His timing. Let me tell you this. This is a 
really terrible thing that I'm going to tell you. God is the most on-time, late person that I've ever met in my life. I, I actually cannot tell you a time when God has been on my watch. I can't tell you a time when God has been on my time when I'm like, I, there are times where I'm wait, like desperately waiting and I'm going, there is no reason for you to delay. This is a bad move. And I'm thinking, like, God, there's no reason for you to delay. But it is actually on his timing. Chapter 40 in Isaiah, what the theologians and the commentators say about chapter 40 is it's the turning point of Isaiah. Chapters 1 through 39 actually speak of the destruction of Isaiah, or of the, of the Israelites, sorry, in the exile. And they're speaking of the rough times, 1 through 39. And then it's as if 40 just jumps to a place where it goes, but God is for you. It's a turning point. And we're not quite sure actually how many years pass through chapter 39 and chapter 40. All we know is it's God's timing. And what you do know is the amount of years that people have waited on God have been a lot of years. Even with Moses, people were waiting to be delivered from the Egyptians, waiting to be delivered from the hands of the Egyptians. And so they had to keep waiting and waiting, and in God's timing, he delivered them. And then people are waiting for a king. They're waiting for a king and waiting for a king, and then God actually says, I want to be your king. I want to be your king. And they go, no, we want a king. We want a king. So he establishes Saul as their king, but in his timing. And then people are waiting for Jesus. They're waiting for the Messiah. They're waiting for the Messiah. And they're waiting and waiting and waiting. And some of them died without seeing the Messiah. And then in his timing, it's as if God has a master plan that knows way better than us, but his timing is so imperative. He is the most on-time late person, and chapter 40 just kind of pops up, and he goes, now declare this to them. Declare this to them. This is the timing of God. So we talk about highways. I'll tell you this. Um, highways have signs. When you're driving on a highway, watch the signs. Okay, they, they have signs. I know you have GPS in your phone, and we don't look at signs anymore, but there are signs when you're driving, and they tell you how much further, right? They tell you like, I don't know, 7,000 miles to Ohio. It's not that much, but it's just what it feels. I'm just telling you in my head. They'll tell you how many, how far it is. Or if you're driving to Disneyland, they say 200 miles to Disneyland, you start to see Mickey's face and whatever, right? There are signs everywhere. There are signs everywhere. And they're letting you know you're on the right track, but you have to keep going. There's no other way around this. Like, you're just not there yet. This is what the signs on the highway do. You can stop. You can stop for food. You can stop for gas. But if you let that be the place that you stop, you're not done. Like, you're not where you need to be. And so I, I, I know this to be true for me. When God has come, he's built a highway, and he's come to my life, the highway being Jesus Christ. He's come to my life, and he's broken me free. And he says, I have a destination for you, which, it, yeah, we would say we, we all want to be with God. But even in this life, I have a destination for you, Preston. I have a destination. I can stop and rest. I can create spaces for that. I can refuel. I can go on retreats. But I can't stay there. I can't make that my Christianity. I can't make that my relationship with God. I have to keep going. And there are signs that remind us uh, God is on time. He's doing this. He's doing this. 
I, w- I would even say like a service like this where you go, yeah, I've been waiting on God and I've been wondering, is God going to respond? Is he going to react? What's he going to do? Maybe this is a sign for you. Maybe this is a sign that, hey, you can keep going. You don't stop. We don't stop in our walk with God. And you go, but I've been at the rest stop for like years or decades. That's fine. But you probably have fueled up by now if you've been there for that long. Like, let's get back on the highway and let's keep going. There are signs in your life. Some of those signs come in grief and some of those signs come in joy and some of those signs come in dreams and some of those signs come in really weird words and some of those signs come in, believe it or not, quotes on Facebook. It can happen. Some of those signs come in whatever way, but the sign of saying, keep going, don't stop going, because the grace to you is the fact that you have breath in your lungs, you've been delivered from sin and death, you've been delivered, God has come to you, and and now we keep going with him. His timing, his timing is really a hard pill to swallow, but it's his timing. It's his timing, and it's his power. Let's talk about that, that whenever it comes to God delivering, it's always in his power. We, we're talking, he has power to raise valleys and lower mountains, okay? Uh, the next part of Isaiah actually tells us, I'll, I'll read it to you. you in chapter 6, it, it essentially tells us 6, 7, and 8. I don't have it on the screen, so you're going to you're gonna have to just listen. But I, it essentially tells you this is how powerless you are as a human being, okay? So it's just saying, um, all flesh is grass. So get ready to be really inspired. All flesh is grass, all its beauty like the flower in the field. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the breath of the Lord blows on it. So it's, it's telling you like, hey, what? If you ever felt like, what's the purpose of this? You're in good company, okay? But, but what it's doing is to get us uh, to verse 10. This is what it says. Behold, so listen to me, the power of God, when we talk about Jesus coming, okay? When we talk about Jesus coming to the world, that is God's way. This is a prophecy, and the way we know this is a prophecy is because it's actually quoted later on by John the Baptist. This is a prophecy of Jesus, the way that God lowers mountains and raises valleys and blows through hills, and the way he builds a highway is the person of Jesus Christ. This is the way. This is how he traveled to us, and this is how we travel to him, okay, to be with him forever. That's the way he did that. And so the, the next few verses go, which by the way, when we talk about all this stuff, here's how powerful you are, you're like grass. In Denver, they'd say, you're like grass. Smoked one day, gone the next. I don't know, whatever they say, right? But you're like grass, flower of the field. And then it says this, behold, fact, I would encourage you to close your eyes as you listen to this. I want you to imagine the power that's behind this. Behold, the Lord God comes with might, and his arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him, and people are before him. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are uh, with young who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand, and marked the heavens with a span, enclosed the dust of the earth in a measure, and weighed the mountains in scales, and the hills in a balance. Who has measured the spirit of the Lord, and what man shows him his counsel? Whom did he consult, 
And who made him understand? Who taught him the path of justice and taught him knowledge and showed the way of understanding? Behold, the nations are like a drop from the bucket and are accounted as the dust on scales. Behold, he takes up the coastlands like fine dust. You can open your eyes. It's, this is what John the Baptist quotes in Luke chapter 3 when he's announcing the coming of Jesus. Jesus' ministry, he says, exactly what Isaiah, 1, uh, Isaiah 42 through 5 says. This is the one who raises and lowers and trades highways. Behold, he's the one. If you've ever stood on an ocean and you go, this, there's so many grains of sand, it says here, he takes up the coastlands, all the coasts, as if it's just fine dust. He can do this, but you can't do this. He comes to you, and with all that power, he comes to you like a baby. He comes to you so that you can do with him what you will. You get to choose. This is what Christmas is about, with all the power. But he does make the way. He does create the highway, because life's not a highway. Life is a mess, and life is hard, and we get stuck. And he says, I've come to you, now come with me. And you go, can you do that? Oh, of course he can. And he would say this, of course, who were you? Do you give me counsel? What do you? Of course he can do this. It's his power. And then the last is, when God delivers, it's for his glory. When God delivers, it's for his glory. Even Psalm 19 says, the heavens are telling the glory of God. Uh, there's something breathtaking when you look at things that are meant to be gloried at, when they're meant to be admired. L let me tell you like this. It can be a tattoo artist and their work that you go, they're really good at what they do. I, I love looking at what they do. It could be that. It could be standing in the Grand Canyon. It could be driving up 70 and seeing all the mountains, driving west on 70 and seeing all the mountains. You go east too far, you're in Kansas. And I don't like... I don't know if you see the glory of God, but if you go west, you'll see the glory of God everywhere. And you'll be driving there and you see the glory of God, and there's just something. Get, follow me here. There's something about it gets you out of yourself. You're not thinking about yourself anymore. You're not self-consumed. You're actually out of yourself, and you're gazing at the beauty of something else. You're going, this is amazing. The, the world's bigger than me. This is incredible. I, is it possible that when God comes to you, and brings things to light that are in the darkness. And you start to walk with him, and people start to look. Not only are you outside of yourself, but other people are outside of themselves. It's like when you point out the glory to other people, and you go, hey, look at the mountains, or have you read this book, or have you looked at this painting, or have you heard this song? It is the glory of that thing. The glory of that thing is catching you out of yourself, and it's bringing other people to admire the thing. So it would make sense to me why God would at the end, in verse 5, say, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. This makes sense. When he delivers and you journey, Christmas is about acknowledging and admiring and adoring God. This is what Christmas is about. The glory. It's the glory. It gets you out of yourself. So here's here's what I would ask you and I ask myself the same thing I I get really caught up in Preston World okay it's not like Disney World it's a pretty disastrous place I get caught up in Preston World and when I 
start to acknowledge God's timing is real. He's up to something in my life. He hasn't left me alone. In fact, even if I go as far as to say he does favor me, I am a picture in his wallet, okay? I, like I go, I go, okay, okay, I, I can start there. That's the timing of God. And I go, and he's powerful. He's really strong, and he could have come to the world. He, by the way, he could have been so mad, he could have just crushed the world. God could have a world without me in it, but he doesn't want one like that. He wants me in this world. And so he's powerful and humble. And when I acknowledge him, I, I glory in him. I'm outside of myself. I start to point other people, look at what God's done. Look at this. Instead of going, look at what I'm unable to do. Christmas is about what God's done. It's about the highway he's made from himself to us by himself. He is the highway. So that when we look, we go, there is a road to a relationship with God and his name is Jesus. And we sometimes think this is the ABCs of Christianity. This, I'm telling you, this is the A through Z. This is all Christianity is. God came to you and he continues to come to you and he continues to lower mountains and raise up valleys and he continues to make a way to you. And our journey, our rest stops, our whatever, we just have to keep getting on the road with him. So wherever you're at this Christmas, would you remember Jesus coming in a manger wasn't so that you could sing songs it wasn't so that tomorrow we can go to Christmas Eve service and then go out to dinner. No, no. Jesus coming in a manger was the cosmic highway to your heart. You, you get that? It's the big deal. Jesus coming in a manger is God's declaration to you. I'm coming for you. I'm coming for you. And all the times you feel in exile, I've come to you. And he's done this, by the way, throughout all of history. Baby Jesus is the cosmic highway. And may you remember when you celebrate on the 25th, and if you're celebrating Christmas Eve with us tomorrow night, remember this too, but may you remember this season is about him coming to me and me being able to continue the journey with him. So however stuck you feel, if you go, I'm stuck, or I'm so busy, or I'm so anxious, or I haven't re-engaged with God, or I, I don't normally do this thing called church, whatever. I, I go, hey, hey, but there's a highway, and you re-engage. You get back on the highway, and you go with God, because there's a purpose in, in all those things. You follow me? So here's what we're going to do. We're going to watch a lyric video of a song called Seasons. We showed this last year. Um, I don't know if it's an annual thing we're going to do here or what, but it's really powerful. So this is a Christmas song, believe it or not. Most of you probably haven't heard it. And it is about the season of Christmas, okay? So in the season you're in, getting back into a relationship with God and continuing with Him is really important. So we're going to watch this. And while we watch this, can we go ahead and take up an offering? Can we do that? So you're going to see there's time for you to give. We, the reason we do this now is because it is a, it's a good time for us to respond to God by saying, I'm not going to hold on to the things that hold on to me. So they're going to pass the offering buckets around. And then afterwards, uh, Lisa is going to lead us to go get communion. Hold on to the communion elements, okay? We're going to take that together. And so if you say, I do want to participate in what Jesus has done for me this Christmas season, 
then I'd say, great, go take communion and hold on to it. And it's going to be a sweet time of us saying we re-engage, wherever we're at, we re-engage in our life with God in the way that he wants us to, okay? So lights will go down, meditate on what is on the screen, and this is a great time to give as well.